It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, with an effective character, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing our experience on getting outside help in this episode 73 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. Woohoo! It sounded like you said episode set me free. It's <laughs> applicable. <laughs> hey, guys, I, I was promised worms. And there's no worms here. You have worms? No, like I was told the early bird gets the worms and it's damn early and I have uh, no worms. I know. I usually, usually we, we record a little bit later and um, we kind of moved things around to try to get an early one in. So if you, who knows, maybe I did say because uh, it's just that early, you know? So my, my apologies, you know, who, who's, who's the best in the morning? Out of the three of us, who's the, who's the most early bird? James. Yeah, James is <laughs> wakes up happy. Like my mornings are a struggle right now. <laughs> what time do you usually wake up, James? Me, I I'll usually run around seven o'clock, and I haven't set an alarm for over a year. Like my body just wakes up, and I'm just like, oh, it's morning, and I'm excited. So I just start praying, and I and I have a routine. It's so nice to have a routine. You know, you go downstairs, you. I make coffee and I get the shake ready for my wife because she has a shake in the morning. And then I listen to um, I listen to my music with my little AirPods, and it's fun. Man, yeah, that's a that's a solid time. So how's how's the last week been for you guys? You want to give a update, James? You want to go first since you kind of got us started? Yep, um, <clears throat> work's been picking up a lot. Uh, the, the bar is completely wrapped and, uh, our friend Jay came to visit me twice now with his wonderful wife. So that was cool. That's cool. And, uh, that's always a plus. And, um, I made plans to go pick up my two boys for spring break. Uh, so I, I reserved the car. I'm excited about that. Um, my wife is still looking for work and, Everything is peaceful, really, really nice. It's freezing too in Florida right now. I love it. Oh, and I yeah. saw your um, I saw your girlfriend on Facebook. She's really pretty. Yeah, she. I I don't know. I think she might be partially blind. Is what we're thinking. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Don't say that to yourself. <laughs> Why? Oh, because she's with me. That was the joke. It's not that she walks yeah. around with a stick. It's uh. It's because he thinks he's ugly. Yeah, that was that was the joke. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, wow. Dennis. Dennis <laughs> picking up what I'm putting down. No, uh, <laughs> we um, I'll I'll go next, and Dennis, you can uh, you can close us out as far as a okay. weekly update. Uh, yeah, went to her birthday's coming up, so 
uh, the last several birthdays, she said, we're really awful. And I said, well, the flights are really cheap right now. Why don't we do something fun? And I had never been to Nashville. And a part of my job is with country music. And she's like, you should you should go. I love Nashville. And found tickets that were next, <clears throat> excuse me, net like next to nothing, like a hundred dollars round trip. And I said, well, that that sounds great. So we went to um, see the Grand Ole Opry, which has been around for ninety five years, and live performances every single week, usually three times a week. But even through the pandemic, they have had a live performance every Saturday night, even when it got real bad. There was just no audience. But they amazing. They put it on the radio and they also televise it. And now there's a whole network um, that's actually dedicated to all the performances of the last not 95 years, but darn close uh, like video performances that they have. So we saw a backstage well, tour cool. of that. And then um, they have a street that is uh, Broadway that has something like. 30 to i don't know maybe even up to 50 different performance venues that are bars but you look around and there's people just drinking water watching the performances and they they're instead they're spending their money on tipping the band um to perform essentially it's like a jukebox like the jukebox is back in the day where you would put five dollars in and request a couple songs that's like what they do and they know every single song and in just incredible musicians and it's like how do they know this you know and i asked them and they said well there's some different ways to since they all read music you know the drummer pulls up whatever song gets requested and he can see um you know and he just like follows it along and it's just incredible songs yeah they're, they're like, like professional with, musicians i mean imagine having to be put on the spot of a song that you might not have ever even heard but you're there and you're just sight reading and you're like, okay, well, I'll just sing this because I see what notes to hit as far as singing and what notes to play. Um, mm -hmm. Just, it's just incredible. Like the appreciation that I have of music afterwards, which I thought was a lot before is, uh, you know, way over the top now. So, um, so that was really fun. And just another example of, um, you know, we hear it in the rooms, at least I do. And I gravitate toward it, towards it early on that when you get sober, you can go anywhere, you know, being an alcoholic, uh, early on, I thought, Oh, it means I can't, you know, I'm never going to be able to go to a wedding, never going to be able to, uh, go to a bar again. And, you know, if you got your, at least speaking for me, you got your higher power with you, you can go any place. Um, and if you feel funky, you know what you do, you just get the heck out of there. Um, you know, call somebody else, have an exit plan, which we've talked about in length before. But that was I just kept getting a reminder and I never once felt out of place because my intentions were to be entertained with live music and to tip that band so that way they can pay their bills. And um, and that's what I did. So it was, it was really great. I probably spent about 15 hours total um, seeing live music while I was there over the two and a half days. So hanging out in a bar all weekend, you weren't tempted once. Not tempted once. Actually, That's quite the beautiful. opposite, because there were a couple people that were uh, that were drunk, 
And I look at that and it shot me back to the moment of um, my last drink and how even though sometimes I would drink and there was a bunch of people in the room, I felt so alone um, and felt like everyone was looking at me and judging my drinking. Um, so it reminded me of the bad. You know, I really yeah. like sometimes people will talk about like good. Me- and I do. I do have good memories of maybe like a barbecue that I had a couple beers and really had fun. And and I'll always have those. But towards the end, I had like the scales tipped so much the opposite way that it wasn't it wasn't worth it. You know, and I think that's what it, at least it takes for me is the scale has to be tipped in the negative uh, more than the positive. And any time that I feel like I don't look at it as romanticizing those moments because I just pick a part and I say, OK, well, what what was I providing? You know, um, you know, God wanted me to be friends with somebody else. And there's actually people that have gotten sober after I got sober. Um, and they said the reason was because they saw that my life was actually improving and theirs was going the other way. And they said, well, what changed? And that was the one thing that changed. Um, so that's l- long story long. There wasn't, <laughs> wasn't one moment that yeah. I was like, uh, I don't know, you know. So uh, I'm, I got a lot of gratitude uh, coming back from a trip like that. So that was my last seven days. How you doing, Dennis? That's good. Uh, I'm alive. Um I think since last time that we spoke about fear, I had another massive panic attack. So that was really bad. Um, but, you know, I've made it through. Now I'm just kind of like completely back to the basics. Uh, basics of, you know, back to the basics for me is like making sure I eat and all of that kind of stuff. Um you know, I mean, it is what it is. I think it's come to the point where, like, I need to seek outside help. You know, like, I've gotten so much better through AA, but there's still, like, things that pop up that I think I need to go see a specialist for and stuff like that. And, you know, I've talked to several of our friends that are have also seeked outside help and stuff like that and, like professionals and doctors and and you know so I feel really good about it and I think it's time so like right now I'm just taking it day by day you know going to the meeting when I can um my anxiety doesn't get in the way too bad I went yesterday saw my sponsor pick up uh seven years which was cool saw a bunch of our friends who went this morning went and set up uh then stood in the cold and greeted everyone and went inside for the serenity prayer. And then now I'm here doing a podcast. So are you outside still? No, I'm inside. I was outside for a little bit and then it got too cold. So I came inside where the heat's on. It is cold out there. I love it. Yeah. I like it too. I enjoy it. You know, at least we're not up North where they're getting like 18 inches of snow or more, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's funny. Do you, do you guys are you like? Oh, I wish it would snow just so that way we could have that moment. Uh, I don't know, because <laughs> you gotta like 
shovel or snow and you stuff. Do. And I think, like, could you imagine if it actually like snowed just an inch in Florida one day? Like, Florida would go insane. We're not equipped for it. <laughs> like the roads and the tourists and everything. Like, we wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. So uh, th- that was just a side note. Uh, you you did mention uh, getting outside help, and it was yeah. something that last I don't know what it was last Friday. I think you and I uh, went for a walk, and we we met up, and that was a question that I asked you about. You ever think about getting out um, outside help? And you said um, that you had a conversation, you know, with your dad about um, maybe maybe something um and i don't know if honestly i don't know if any of the three of us have um got outside help uh early on when we came in james uh, what's your experience with it well you know as far as the the medical field um and psychology in general no i've never um gotten any help um my, my wife has, and, and she absolutely loved it. She, while she worked for um, the most happiest place on earth, she got, um, I think, five free sessions. And as you know, she's, you know, she's on the same journey with us um, in the program of recovery. And she said that she had an absolute breakthrough through her five sessions because she got some stuff that she would have not got otherwise I, yeah, I don't know if you've talked to her Dennis about mm-hmm. her, but if you haven't she's definitely someone who would talk to you and maybe yeah just... I, I have talked to, to her about that before yeah um as far as outside help um you know early on when I had my spiritual experience um you know my uh, higher power was there uh, uh Jesus and um through that I've been able to, um, I, I just happened to be working at a, a startup tech company and we had a, a gentleman on there, uh, you know, Pastor Ken. And yep. he, um, he's a good guy. He just started talking to me, yeah, you know, about um, Christianity and um, you know, I consider him outside help. And then when I moved up to Celebration, he had moved up to Celebration a month before. It was all coincidence. And then wow. we all started going to the same Bible study every Tuesday at 6 a.m. So, yes, I am a mer- early bird. And, um, you know, that's since uh, ceased because of COVID. But I learned so much in two years of going to just a Bible study because, um, because of the leader. Uh, his name is Bill. The way he talked about Jesus and Christianity was just it's so loving and there was no fire brimstone like yeah they people just did that out of fear like this is this is how it is guys Mm. he loves you and you are loved there's nothing you can do so now just come towards him and and you're good and it just helped me a lot so much and i think because of that outside help um that's that's how i that's why i am the way i am today because just I'm, i'm walking fearlessly you know, and knowing that I'm loved, it helps so much that outside help. And then in the rooms, you get the good stuff too. So, yeah. It, and I think that like the outside help is anything that is outside of that, um, 
for me, outside helps anything outside of that one hour, uh, you know, meeting. So like, yeah. like you're talking about the pastor, totally. Um, when, when I first, my first sponsor, when I got sober back in 2014, um, he did recommend, he's like, Hey, I, I'm not going to tell you to do it or not. It can be your journey to, if you want to talk to a therapist, he said, I have in the past. Um, and it's, it's helped. And he said, but it's also because my stepdad's a therapist. So I had that in my back pocket and I knew what that was. Um, and I didn't take him up on it at that time. I said, you know, like maybe, maybe I will in the future. Um, but I worked through it in pretty much the first five years up until I got divorced. I, I didn't think I needed any therapy and I thought I was really good with it. And then um, when I got divorced and back in July, um, I felt like I, I didn't I feel like I wanted a drink. But everything else, I was just you guys know, I was just so sad and like beside myself. And I reached out to my uh, insurance company within my work and found out I had eight sessions and as we know from, you know, the rooms, uh, drinking is not the problem. Like a lot of us say, I got a drinking problem. And then you come in. Um, like for me, it was my solution that didn't work anymore. That didn't actually solve anything. Um, and, you know, life still keeps going. And no matter how well I thought I was practicing the principles when, um, my relationship unexpectedly ended. I didn't know what to do. And I felt like I was in quicksand just trying to like grab onto something. And I grabbed onto the program more. Um, but I felt like I needed something else. Um, because I was needing to continue to work and provide. And, and there was a lot more that got put in, you know, rapidly. I had to move out of my house. I had to find new employment I had to get a lawyer. And also it was on the time where I was still injured from an accident that happened. So there was a lot all at once. And when I found out that through my work, I had eight sessions for free. And because of the pandemic, I could even have even more for free. Um, I was grateful and I did. And some of the things that I, um, you know, found about myself was that maybe I should actually tap into, um, you know, his recommendation, not mine, was that my emotions, even though I'm an emotional uh, person, sometimes I put it towards accepting rather than actually um, diving more into, you know, like a step, step four, you know, and or or step 10, even though I thought I was doing a great job and he was a therapist that wasn't in the program, but worked with many people that did. So he was giving me suggestions um, that were program based that were great for me. And I think from what I've found and my first sponsor also told me uh, that was to make sure that you find a therapist that doesn't uh, let's say poo poo the, uh, the program that has given me the life that I have today. Um, cause I value that most more than anything else, just as much as I value you, your guys' friendship, which was found 
there, I need to make sure that uh, I found a therapist that worked for me. Um, so it is, it is out there. And I know, uh, Dennis, you said that you hadn't, had you thought about it before? Has it been, been an idea of like, oh, maybe I will one day? Well, um, for me, it's like, like I have a history where when I was younger, you know, I was diagnosed with ADHD and uh, as a teenager, I was diagnosed with like uh, bipolar, manic depressive or whatever. So I had been to like plenty of therapists when I was younger. And obviously when I got a little older and I was out on my own, I didn't go to therapy. I didn't go to doctors. I didn't do anything. I just partied and lived my life or whatever. And I was relatively fine, you know. Um, Then obviously when things got really bad for me, like you've heard my story on episode two, check it out. It's up there all day. Uh, That was... That was a very shameful plug. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, my reasoning, for better or worse, when I when I got really bad, I was you know my impression, my common thought was uh, that you know if I quit drinking and I quit using, things will get better. Um, and things didn't get better; they got worse. And then I was still under the impression of like, you know, I wasn't like this before I started using and drinking, you know, like I got, I'll get better somehow without using drugs. Cause I at least had the knowledge and like, this is before I even came into the rooms that I had the knowledge that like drugs aren't the answer. Like if I go get a prescription to Xanax, that's not going to help me, you know, like it might relieve it but then that's just an addiction that i did recreationally before this so so i didn't and luckily i found aa and when i came into aa i had a little bit of help and as y'all know i've gotten a lot better from you know now compared to the day before i came into aa with doing the steps utilizing the fellowship and and going to meetings and doing the deal um and I've been progressively relatively getting better with just anxiety like popping up here and there and like the constant anxiety kind of waned and then kind of turned into depression, which I think I've shared about before. Um, and then after this whole year that we had, you know, it was really, I guess it just culminated into like a couple of weeks ago to where I had like in the past two weeks or so I've had like two massive massive like full-blown panic attacks and then now that just kind of after the second one after the one that was just like this past week I uh you know I think it's kind of come to the realization where like now you know it's time that because you know like AA to me I look at AA as almost in uh entry level to a lot of these things like spirituality and you know if we're talking about mind body and spirit aa is a great place to like clean up your past and and tackle your addictions and build a fellowship and learn about service and helping people and stuff like that and it works for most people that really like apply it and it works for me absolutely 
but then there's a couple of things like in my head that kind of need to see a, a specialist you know it's like I can work on all of this stuff but there's something going on inside my head that AA doesn't fully tackle so there are specialists that do that you know and in the book it even says like look for outside help if you need it or whatever and you know if we're attacking mind body and spirit if you want a specialist in spirituality you would go to you know uh a pastor or a priest or a rabbi or an iman or whatever, you know, or a guru or whatever your flavor is. Mm. If, if you want a specialist for your body, you would go to a nutritionist or a, a I don't know, what's the a gym cha- trainer or something like, like that, a you know, or a dietitian or something like that. And if you want to, if you need a specialist for your mind, you go, to a psychologist, you know, and I would suggest a psychologist well before you go to a psychiatrist because a psychologist will work around everything and all the options before ever jumping to medicine oh. where a psychiatrist would jump, uh, will simply just jump to the medicine, you know. So that's where I'm at, you know. There was, I've never had like a, a prejudice against therapy or anything like that. I just wanted to, you know, like it says in the in the more about alcoholism where i i have to try every single freaking thing before and after every like incident i always try something different and change it so like this week i made massive changes i should have said that this at the beginning i made massive changes this week that are mind blowing to me one i deleted twitter absolutely deleted twitter i'm not allowed to look at the news or look at social media or any of that anymore and then i also quit coffee i haven't had a sip of coffee or any like major caffeine things in like i don't know since a week or more whenever i had the last panic did you get any headaches I did. I at first couple of days that like were pretty constant and bad, just those annoying like pressure headaches, caffeine headaches. Yeah. So I would sip a couple of sips of Pepsi to try to make them go away. A couple of days I took uh, ibuprofen, but then now the headaches are gone. And one thing I found out, like I drank, like anyone that knows me, I drink a lot of coffee. I drink at least two big cups of coffee in the morning. And drink like a cup of coffee in the afternoon and at night. And like I, some days I would drink nothing but coffee. You know, someone with anxiety, that's not a good thing to do. But I love coffee. Um, you like the flavor? You like the flavor of it, or you like the just like I was how a uh, uh, smoker the oral fixation of it? You- I think a, I think a little bit of both. I do like the flavor of coffee, and I like like coffee candy and coffee ice cream and stuff, and and I like coffee. But I think it is a little bit of that, like the oral fixation of having that drink that's a little bit stronger, almost like a little bit of a drug, you know, I can almost feel it when I drink it. But, you know, it's not good. And one thing that I realized that's very mind opening for me is like I'm if anyone that knows me, I'm also I'm always tired. I'm like out of shape. My diet's not the best. Um. And I just, my brain is just always in overdrive. So I'm always like tired. And that's one reason I drank a lot of coffee is to try to stimulate it. And 
you know, obviously the depression and anxiety like wear me out and make me more tired. But after quitting drinking the coffee, I'm no more tired in the morning with or without the coffee. And throughout the day, I'm typically like, like right this second, I feel like I have more energy than if I would have drank a cup of coffee this morning, gotcha. which is very weird to me, you know? Yeah. It, it, but enough about it. So, so <laughs> how, how did you, um, like who, who told you, Hey, maybe try to quit coffee. We've talked about the Twitter thing before, but I don't think coffee's come up. Um, well, I think like coffee, the coffee thing is something I've known about. Like if you were to look up like on the internet or like doctor's websites and medical list of like things to do to battle anxiety and, or things that could cause anxiety, coffee is, is consistently at the top of the list. So it's not like you have a list of 100 things and coffee might be at 95 or 85 or something like that. It's like coffee on every single freaking list is like the first thing Mm. always. So it's like, you know, but me, I don't want to let go of my vices no matter how small they are. And, uh, you know, so after this last one, like this last one was like the last two like major panic attacks were like, completely terrifying yeah like to where there's no like at this point there's nothing i can do to like get away with holding on to what i have to want to hold on to i have to completely surrender and make those drastic changes like that or else i'm gonna fucking die you know and that's where i'm at with that you know yeah i'll change or die so as far as outside help, so we talked a lot a little bit about therapists, um, you know, whether it's psychiatrists, psychologists, um, pastors. How about outside help as far as um, like uh, medical outside help, like if you had to be prescribed something? Um, I'll start with this. And then if you guys can think about um, any maybe words of wisdom that you have heard from. Uh, people in a fellowship or like we talked about those other people outside the program and what they've had to say about it, because um, many people say they're cross addicted. Uh, you'll hear if you go to a meeting, they might say alcoholic, addict, alcoholic um, or cross addicted. If it's multiple things, some people are using food or sex to actually uh, to fill that. And Actually, your uh, I think you spoke about it on here, Dennis, your grand sponsor. After I broke my leg two and a half, actually, what now? Three years ago, pretty much. Three years ago, um, I was going to uh, meetings after I could get back on my knee scooter. And I was prescribed, I think, Vicodin at the time or Percocets. And he said, you got to be careful with those. And... I never had an issue with it, but he said the best thing if you got to, if you have to have to take them is make sure that you just give them to somebody else to put one on the counter every morning or give you one at night. You know, if you can, you can have that and have that be the thing. Um, and I got that suggestion as far as outside help goes of. Hey, if I actually need help, because say you go to talk to somebody, Dennis, and they have to prescribe you something, 
Um, mm-hmm. Have you thought about what that would be, uh, be if you would be able yeah. to do it? Yeah, I have. Um, and one, I, I want to make a little comment about it. Like, I think that's a great idea. Like, and it's almost a necessity idea of like giving it to like a loved one, like someone you live with, like your spouse or your girlfriend or, you know, or boyfriend or whatever, someone that can regulate them for you. So you don't have to have that responsibility or that temptation for it because like you might never have had a problem with Vicodin but I've never had a problem with crack cocaine, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go try crack cocaine and think it's going to be okay. You know, it's, we have addictive personalities. So if our poison was alcohol or marijuana or sex or food or something that can easily be replaced by another addictive chemical and, and, you know, opiates like Vicodin and, and stuff like that are highly addictive. So we are more susceptible to becoming addicted to them, even if we've never been that way before. Mm. But um, my, my approach and my approach going into like this now is one is, you know, our, our, pro- our program is a program of rigorous honesty, right? And if you're not telling your sponsor where you're at and what's going on in your past, then they're not going to ha- be able to tell you what direction you need to go. So if you tell your sponsor, you're like, you're trying to get to Disney World and you tell him you're in Winter Park, but you're actually in Celebration, he's going to give you the wrong directions to get there. Mm. So my whole thing is if I go and see a psychologist to first first session, be open about where I am, you know, like I've had a problem with being addicted to prescription pills before. Like I've had a problem with Xanax in particular and other uh, drugs like that. So if I'm open about that and tell them that I want to do everything I can without having to take a narcotic or a drug like that, most, if not all doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists are aware of these problems. So they do have other medications and other techniques and, and, you know, things that, that you can do without having to do those. So I figure if I am open about it and honest about it, then they'll work with me. Um, and then also if it, if it does come, like I don't know if it will come to that I have to take some kind of medicine, but then to let my sponsor know exactly the medicine that I'm on, what my prescription doses and times and stuff are, and let everyone around me, like my parents or anyone that I'm close to, let them know so that they can be aware and monitor it, you know? Yeah. James, what's your experience? I don't really have any experience with that. Do you, um, if you had, uh, broken a bone or anything else, would you, would you have any issue? Um, I guess being prescribed something. Or what's your what's your feeling? what about James? What about whenever you first came in and you went and you had to go to the hospital because you had the clot in your yeah. lung? How did you handle that? They just um, did IV, and I was just lying in bed, and they would just come in, and uh, I really wasn't. And then afterwards, nothing like they. Um, I left the hospital with, uh, I was all clear. Oh, you weren't prescribed anything after? No. Just um, blood thinners. 
yeah. 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 I, I mean, the rigorous honesty piece is, uh, is something where I, I don't know about you guys. Like, I don't have an issue uh, when I go to the doctor or get checked out and they give you that sheet uh, where you have to check certain things. Usually um, on the sheet, I will uh, say that I don't drink at all. You know, like when it's like, do you drink moderately? Da, da, da. I'll say I don't drink. And then it'll be a conversation of like, because even as far as now, so I had a back accident almost a year ago and uh, there's still a lot of pain that I have. And they, they were trying to um, figure out what would improve it. I had some injections done. Um, but because of the conversation that I had, they know that they're trying to figure out other ways outside of, oh, just, you know, here, do this for, for the pain and giving me uh, like painkillers for it. Um, every couple days I have 800, uh, what, ibuprofen, which I find outside of the fact that I had to make sure that I have a, you know, full stomach so it doesn't upset my stomach. Like that does the trick without me needing to be prescribed something more. Um, you know, there's still some pain there, but never once am I like, you know what, maybe like, maybe I, I need something more just because I feel like I'm, I'm making it through, you know, like I don't want my head and my disease to come in. And even with the 800 ibuprofen, I told them, Hey, I know there's like a refill on it, but if it's 30 days, just put 60 day refill um, because I I don't want to have to feel like I have to take it every day, you know, um, to stretch it out. But that honest honesty, I think, is the most important, like Dennis was talking about. Yeah. Uh, anything else with getting outside help that you, you guys have come across? Um. I would just like comment that, you know, there's no shame in no, it. No. Like one thing is like in the last like few days or whatever, since the last one, and I started talking to people about outside help, there's a lot of like our close friends that we talk to all the time and hang out with all the time that actually have sought outside help. Like we have a close friend of ours, and I won't mention their name because they're not here right now, but like they have really bad OCD, like really bad OCD, like full on, like have to do all the rituals and stuff. And he was like seven years sober before he went and got uh, outside help. And ultimately they did put him on a medication. And right now, like you talk to him and you know him, you would never know this. So like I, I didn't, really know this about him but having this conversation with them made me feel a lot better about myself and my situation and uh and that comes from being open and vulnerable with the people close to you mm. and then there's another one of our friends that like who is a very good friend of mine who who has like adhd and has dealt with anxiety problems and he's on like uh two medications and you know you look at him and you know, everyone loves this guy. He's like a stand-up guy. He works hard. He does good. He's just a very good guy. And you would never, like, know that he's had these issues before and had to seek outside help for him. But in doing that, it's made him 
a better person, just like with everyone that I've talked to that has gone through stuff like this, that like, you know, it doesn't take away from you or your sobriety or your like your program and stuff. It just, it complements it and makes everything that just much easier in a way, you know? Yeah. And it was good to have these conversations with these people because I've never had this deep of conversations with them, you know, so about this subject. Anyways, yeah. Absolutely. Any, any last words, James? Yeah. Just uh, to thine own self be true. If you're uh, prescribed something and you're, um, you're, you're not taking it as prescribed, then uh, your disease is kicking in and you need, uh, you need to look at that. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to have a wife who will be with me every step of every medical encounter that will say, oh, no, he won't be taking that. Thank you. Try something else. <laughs> so uh, I'm really not worried. You're blessed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I... sometimes we need that, too, as our because, our, our, you know, ultimately we're child childish, especially when it comes to to like our addictions yeah. and our our and stuff like that sometimes we need a sponsor or a spouse or someone that's like nope nope <laughs> not that <today." laughs> he won't be, didn't he check on the box that he was an alcoholic why are you trying to prescribe that <laughs> it's like a kid on a toy aisle and it's like ah, no i don't think you need that put that back but i'm in pain right in pain. yeah you're gonna be in pain right i did des- <laughs> i deserve this it's okay the doctor's giving it to me <laughs> it's legal so is alcohol <laughs> well i i like that we can end a, a, like such a a potentially serious topic uh all goes back to that toy aisle um yeah. <laughs> we'll right. be back next thursday sharing our experience strength and hope with you with episode 74 uh, with an effective character is entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, we've got a nut for every bolt. And we'll see you next time. A wrench for every That's nut. That's what it is. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Did he a nut for every bolt. <laughs> it could go either way, right? Oh, uh, you got to leave all this in. <laughs>